good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me to the book of 1 John. Good to see so many of you here this morning. Good to see so many of our students. Excited. Uh, thankful that y'all have had the opportunity to sit under sound teaching this weekend. Stay at good host homes. Eat good food. I know because I've eaten some of the food and it was good. The Lord's been good to us. This morning, as we're looking in 1 John, I want to ask you a question. I'm just curious if any of you ever do this sort of thing. Do any of you ever do what I would call talking with an agenda? Any of you ever have what, what we might just say in air quotes, oh, just normal conversation, but the entire time that you're having that normal conversation, you're really trying to steer the other person to thinking about a specific thing? I'll, I'll give an example. Like, if you know that this Friday night, uh, you and your family, y'all are going out to eat, that's the plan that y'all have already made, and you know that you really want to eat Mexican food. So Monday and Tuesday, when you're just casually talking about whatever from your day, oh, I went by today and noticed that they have some new things at that special Mexican restaurant down there. Right, or, or Wednesday, you're at church and you have taco soup. Oh, taco soup, that makes me think of tacos. Don't you just love tacos, honey? Anybody else ever do that? Maybe it's not little things like that. Maybe sometimes it's a big thing. Maybe you just continue to drop hints. I mean, have conversation about how much the kids would love a trip to Disney World. <laughs> how much fun it was last time we went. Leaving the pictures laying around. Any of y'all ever do that? I think we do. Actually, today it seems like it's hard to find somebody that would talk without an agenda sometimes. Today we're going to be warned by John as we look in First John. We're going to be warned specifically about false teachers who would sometimes use tactics of this nature. He's going to tell us that we have to be on guard, that we have to be careful, that we have to be watchful. And so if you would look with me in the text, and we'll see exactly how John brings that out to us. We'll begin in verse 18, 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. John, showing his pastoral loving heart, addresses them as children. Children, it is the last hour. And so you have heard that Antichrist is coming. So now many antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. Now, John here uses a word that, that usually perks up our antennas, that really gets our attention, right? He says antichrist, and we hear antichrist, and immediately we want to know what John's talking about. Uh, there's a lot of speculation, it seems like, throughout all the years, no matter when it is, about who the Antichrist is. We always think it's this person or that person, and I hear people talking about it. But John here isn't spending a lot of time teaching about the Antichrist as the apocalyptic person that many of us think of. He does use that word. He says, you have heard that Antichrist is coming, and he is speaking of the person that Paul in Second Thessalonians refers to as the man of lawlessness. That the book of Revelation refers to as the beast. Just a side note, I thought this was interesting, so I thought I'd share it with you. First and Second John are the only books in the entire Bible that use the word Antichrist. Did you know that? It's not found in the book of Revelation. 
Paul never says it either. Don't look now, look later. I just thought that was very interesting. John's the only person that uses that, and he only uses it in First and Second John. But here he's not warning us about the Antichrist. He says to us, many Antichrists have come. So not just one, he's talking about many, which sounds even worse. But this is the warning that he has for us today. He says, we know it's the last hour because Antichrists were going to come in the last hour. And Antichrists have come, and so it must be the last hour. He continues to tell us a little bit about them in verse 19. It says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Now, I, I sat in with the youth, the older youth class a little bit this morning, and, and we just talked about how logical John's thinking is here, right? He says, when it's the last hour, Antichrist will come. Antichrist have come, so it must be what? The last hour, right? Makes good sense. Well, here he uses the same sort of logic. He says, these people went out from us. At some point, they were obviously part of the believing community. I wouldn't say that they were part of the church because you have to be a Christian to be a part of the church. And he tells us here they're not Christians, but they were part of the believing community. It appears that they were, they were gathering together with the church. They were, as we would say, going to church, even though they weren't actually part of the church. But they have left. And he says, if they left, the, if they left and quit coming then that tells us that they're not of us. And they did leave, so we know that they aren't of us. Right? You see John's saying, very logical thinking here. But John says, these individuals, and I want you to make sure that you make note of this, that at one point, these individuals were gathering together with the church. Now, I think when we think about Antichrist, somebody that is literally against Christ, Somebody that teaches things that are against Christ. Somebody that doesn't believe in Christ. Somebody that believes and teaches that Jesus is not the Christ. We wouldn't think of them as people that would go to church, right? We would think of strange-looking people that had all sorts of strange ideas. And there are Antichrist people that would fit in those categories. They would have all sorts of religions and all sorts of strange practices. But here we see there are also Antichrists. There are lost people that are specifically trying to deceive saved people that sometimes are even hidden among the church. And it's the warning that John is giving. See, John was part of the church where these people were, and now they've left, and so he's writing to the other church to let them know that these individuals might show up. Saying, you need to be ready, you need to be on guard. They're not of us, they're not Christians, we know that because they left. If they were Christians, they would have stayed with the church, they would have continued with us, but they haven't. So we know they're not Christians, we know they're teaching things that are not Christian in doctrine, and so you need to be on the lookout for them. Very condemning statement about these individuals. Very startling statements to many of us about these individuals. But John wants us to be ready. Some of you have played sports or coached before. And, you know, sometimes whenever you're playing a, another team that has a, a, a one player that's really, really good, right, the coach points them out beforehand, right? You show the team film. You've got to watch number 10 here. Number 10 is really good. You've got to watch this guy. You've got to watch this girl. If we don't guard her, they give you special plan. You need to guard them. You need to stay with them. You can't let them be open. They're always going to make it right. They, you warn them. 
Because you think, if I warn them, if I prepare them for this, then they'll be able to endure it. And that's what John's doing here. John knows how dangerous these individuals are to the church. So under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he takes specific time to teach against them. I want you to know that they're real. I want you to know that they're coming as part of the church. I want you to know that they're teaching things that are not true. Be on the lookout. So we don't have any excuse for not knowing, for being deceived. So I want us, in the rest of this text, John really does two things. He tells us some more about the Antichrist people. So that's the first thing we're going to see. We're going to learn as much as we can about them from the text. And then he also tells us what we can do to be on guard against them. So here's the two things. I want you to know who they are. Let me tell you who they are. Antichrist, you don't know about Antichrist. Let me tell you about Antichrist. And then whenever we hear about these individuals and we hear how scary it is and how, uh, how deceitful they can be, we're also going to learn what we can do to guard against them. So we'll be a little bit out of order so that we can look at it systematically like this. So look in verse 22 and 23 where he teaches more about them. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist. He who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Now, I would remind you here of who wrote this letter. Right? I know I've done that many times as we've looked at First John. But this is the Apostle John who refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who had a deep love for Jesus who speaks glowingly about Jesus, who has seen the glory of God in Jesus. And so for him, this just makes so much sense. Who is a liar? Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ is a liar. I've always shown you that John's very logical in his thinking here. And he also says, this is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ is the Antichrist. Now, does that make sense to y'all? Anybody that's against Christ is anti-Christ. Y'all follow me? I know it's been a long weekend for some of y'all. But this is clear. Anybody that goes against Christ. Now, I want to be clear here as well. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It's not the way that we're using here. I know sometimes it seems like, well, it's Jesus' like his, his name. My name is Zach Kilpatrick. His name is Jesus Christ. But that's not the meaning here. When we see the Christ or Christos, when we see that, what it's talking about is the Messiah, the anointed one. The Savior that was promised to come from heaven to save people from their sins. So John here is saying, anybody that says that Jesus is not the Messiah, if they say anything other than that, if they say that Jesus is anything less than that, God himself that left heaven and came to earth to offer salvation to all that would have faith in him, if they denied that, then they are against Christ, and John says they are anti-Christ. So here he really opens the definition up. It's not just people that have been in the church and left the church. It's anybody, anywhere that teaches anything other than Jesus as the Christ. Point one this morning. The enemies of Christ are many, 
and they're plain to see. There are lots of these individuals. Inside the church, outside the church, everywhere you go, there are a lot of people that are enemies of Christ. If you want to use John's strict definition, that's okay. You can call any person that's part of any cult or any religion that teaches anything other than Jesus as the Messiah, you could refer to them as Antichrist. Now, you're probably going to get in some fights if you do that very often, but you can because John tells us they are. And, but I also want you to see this. They're plain to see. It's plain to see who these individuals are as long as you know what you're looking for. I know it's starting to sound scary about these people, right? They could be among us. They could be sitting in here right now. They could have been in your Sunday school class with you today. They might be part of your family. They might be co-workers. And all of a sudden, when you start thinking of all these people as possibly being anti-Christ, it really catches our attention. And sometimes we start to get a little bit worried. But I also want you to recognize that although these people are dangerous to our belief, that they are also easy to see. It's easy to understand who they are. Now, he tells us one more thing about them. So before we get to how we can guard against them, look also at verse 26. This is where he gives us, John does this often, and I appreciate this. He's he's telling us why he's writing this. He just simply says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. So now he tells us a little bit more about the Antichrist. They're not, at some point, they're going to leave the body. At some point. They will make themselves clear that way. They will teach things that are not true of the gospel and the scriptures. That's how we can clearly see who they are. But he also wants us to know that what they're trying to do is deceive you. And this is where it goes back to that first opening question that I asked you. Because it's, it's one thing to try and have casual conversation. Trying to get somebody to want to eat Mexican. It's one thing to have... Uh, casual conversation, speaking with an agenda about trying to get your husband or whoever to go to Disney World. But it's a completely different thing to use conversation with someone to try and deceive them from believing the truth. But that's what John says these individuals are doing. Now listen, I've read through my sermon notes several times this week, and I understand that whenever somebody's preaching this message, that they sound like that crazy preacher that stands on the street corner with a bullhorn and a, a board on them, you know, right, saying, Antichrist, you have to be careful. They're trying to deceive you. I know it sounds like something far out there, but I'm just telling you what John tells us. All I'm trying to do here. Whether I sound crazy or not, I do not care. This is something that was a big enough deal that the Holy Spirit told John, John, write about this to the church. And so I believe that we as the church need to hear it as well. Point two, anti-Christian individuals are looking to deceive you. You need to understand that. And, And now, it's one thing to think about somebody that's Muslim or somebody that's Buddhist or somebody that's Scientologist or somebody that's atheist, right? It's, it's one thing to think about that. We would immediately think that that's what they're trying to do. It's trying to get us to believe what they believe. Trying to, as we would say, indoctrinate us. Teach us their doctrine. Make us believe their doctrine. We understand that. But what John is specifically warning about here is people that are inside of the Christian church. Trying to teach things that are not Christian doctrine. That's who we really have to be on the lookout for. 
co-workers or friends, not people that, that say out loud and clear, I do not believe in Christ, but people who would refer to themselves as Christians. There are some denominations that we call denominations sometimes that shouldn't be called denominations. They should be called other religions because even though they say we are Christian, their teaching says we are not. John would say, no, you are not. You are actually anti-Christian. We have to be sure to be careful about who we listen to, about what we allow people to say to us. Which brings us to the last point, to the last thing. How can I guard against this? But Zach, if it's such a big deal that John writes about it in the Scriptures... If it's such a big deal that they could be here, that they could be deceiving us, and that's the word that's used here, deceived, it means to lead astray from the correct path, right? They're trying to get me to move away from the truth, to listen to something that's not the gospel. How can I be sure that I'm not going to be deceived? How can I be sure that my children, as they're growing up, and going to high school, and going to college, and speaking to friends, and listening to professors that are going to teach these things, how can I be sure that I and my children and my grandchildren won't be deceived into following something that's not the true gospel? Well, John tells us, thankfully. Look in verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you all have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. And look in verse 24. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you, but the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. The last three words sum up what John gives us as our defense. How do we defend against this? Abide in him. Abide means to stay. Right? Stay in Christ. He said, I'm, I'm not writing to you, church. I'm not writing to you because you don't know the truth, but I'm writing to you because you already know the truth. You have the Holy Spirit that teaches you the truth, right? He's talking to Christians here. You have the gospel that teaches you the truth. You have God's word that teaches you the truth. As long as you don't stray from it, you're going to be fine. That's what John teaches here. I know it seems oversimplified, and, and as much as I built this up, you has, Brother Zach, there has to be some other defense, but there's not another defense. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand when somebody says something, and, and the Lord gives you that feeling of, I don't believe that that's what the Bible says, pay attention to that. Whenever you have studied your Bible and a Sunday school teacher or a pastor or a friend or a co-worker or a family member says something that is contrary to what the Bible said, pay attention to that. Make sure that you recognize that. Mark that teaching as being anti-Christian so that you'll be on guard against it, so that you won't meditate on that and take it in. John says here, now Wednesday night we're going to talk about 
uh, about verse 27, because some of some people, I'm going to say some of us, and I'm going to say some of you, some people really like to latch on to that one verse when he said, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. Some of you think, well, let's go. Let's get out of here. What are we doing? We're going to talk about the context of that. What exactly does that mean? That's what we're going to talk about. But let me go ahead and give it to you this way if you can't be here Wednesday night. John here says, you know the gospel. You know how to be saved because these individuals are saved, right? If you are saved, then you know how to be saved, right? John's a very logical thinker. He said, if you're already saved and you already know the gospel and you know that Jesus is God and you know that he left heaven and came to earth and was born of a virgin and you know he lived a perfect life and never sinned and died on the cross to pay the price for your sins and for my sins and then he rose three days later and he's in heaven now and that when I have faith in him, all my sins are taken away. If you know that, then you don't need anybody to teach you anything different than that. Now, we can understand that better. We can see how the rest of the scriptures teach us about how to live now that we know that. Right? There are other things to learn, but you don't need anything new about salvation. If you know that, you don't need anybody to teach you something contrary to that. New past that. There is nothing past the gospel except for lies. So, so if you encounter someone, friend, foe, Call themselves Christian, don't call themselves Christian. Roommate, classmate, teammate. You encounter somebody that says something different than the gospel. Do not listen to them. Point three, knowing God's word protects us from being deceived. It's amazing how often one of the main teachings of the Bible is know your Bible. That's what it says here. If you know the Bible, then you'll also know when somebody teaches something that's not of the Bible. So, what does John tell us today? It's really a simple message. There are a lot of people that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. There are a lot of people that don't believe it. In the church and out of the church. Different religions, cults, people all over that do not believe that Jesus is the only way that you can be forgiven of your sins and get to heaven. There are a lot of people that believe other things. So we need to be aware of that. We also need to know that people that don't believe that don't want us to believe that. If they don't believe Jesus is the Christ, they don't want you to believe Jesus is the Christ either. And so in their conversations with you, in the way that they interact with you, they're going to be trying to guide you to believe other things. I know that sounds overstated. I know that sounds overgeneralized. But again, I can't give you my opinion. I'm just giving you what the Word says. And that's what John says. He says, anti Christ's are trying to deceive you. So we have to be aware of that. We have to, does that mean I can't talk to somebody that's lost? It does not mean that. Does that mean that if my coworker is, is Muslim or Buddhist that I shouldn't talk to him? It doesn't mean that. But it means that you need to be on guard, especially when you're talking to them. If my cardiologist is a Scientologist and he told me that I need to start dieting, Brother Zach, does that mean I don't have to start dieting? Not what that means. It means you need to start dieting and you need to be careful about anything else he says to you. Because if he says anything that's contrary to the gospel, your ears need to perk up and you know you don't need to listen to that. 
brothers and sisters, we have to be aware. We have to be careful. And we have to know God's word. Because if I don't know the truth, then I could believe any lie. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'll ask you this question this morning as we reflect on this text. Do you know God's word? I just want to ask you that question simply, rhetorical question. Do you know what God's word teaches? Do you know the gospel? If you had a Sunday school teacher that was teaching something that wasn't true of the Bible, would you recognize it? If I came in here and taught something that wasn't true of the Bible, would you recognize it or would you just believe it because I said it? We need to listen to learn, but we also need to listen carefully to whoever's teaching us and whatever they're teaching us. And we need to make sure that it lines up with the Bible. And if I ever tell you anything that doesn't line up with God's Word, you don't believe it. You trust God's Word. That goes for anyone that you'll ever talk to. So this morning as you respond, if you don't believe God's Word, come and let me talk to you about that. Come and let me tell you why we should believe God's Word. If you do believe God's Word but don't know it, I pray this morning that you would dedicate yourself to learning the truths of God's Word. And if you're here and you believe God's Word is true and you know God's Word, you've got reason to be thankful. And our response this morning should be, Thank you, Lord that you've given us these truths and that we can know them and understand them and be protected from the lies and know that we have eternal life in you. So this morning, we all have some way to respond. I pray that Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of invitation that we would respond accordingly as the Lord calls.